Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples and news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. The Old Testament reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 65, reading from verses 17 to 25. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. He who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth. He who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. 
my chosen ones, will long enjoy the works of their hands. They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. But dust will be like the servants, be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountains, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. years, seeing the pictures of desolation on the television and in the newspapers of Syria and elsewhere, I've begun to recognize what an extraordinary privilege it is for us to live in peace. How much I take it for granted. I walk from my house over there, down two or three roads to church here where I work often. And I totally expect it all to be there when I return. There will be food in the shops I visit. My family will be safe. No one will throw a bomb through the door as we gather here to worship. As we do our jobs and plant our gardens, decorate our houses and grow our families, we can enjoy what we've achieved without the crippling fear every time we leave the house but none of it will exist when we return. How blessed we are. Isaiah, who spoke in rather more troubled times, paints a picture of hope in the future, which is actually the life that we recognize. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their own fruit. My chosen ones will long enjoy the works of their hands. This is our experience. Those who live in terror in other parts of the world, longing for peace, look forward, aspire to the peace that we enjoy. Yet we too have our fears, don't we? Even if South Sea avoids barrel bombs or suicide bombers, Nonetheless, there are still calamities waiting in ambush. A drunk driver, a terminal disease, a financial scam, a holiday accident, relationship breakdown. Any of these might suddenly sweep away everything that we have strived to build up, our life's work. And at the end of the day, we know whether early or late lies the specter of death robbing us of peace of mind. There are some here, and others whom we know, who wait anxiously for results or news, for themselves or for those they love. They know that Isaiah's picture isn't enough. Sitting under your own vine eating its fruit loses its charm when someone you love, perhaps a grandchild, is fighting for his or her life. 
we long that Isaiah's earlier words might also come true. God says, I will rejoice over my city and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. But for Mary of Magdalene, sitting beside the tomb of her beloved Lord, the promise of Isaiah must have seemed as dust and ashes. Even God was weeping over his city that day. And two bystanders asking her such a heartless, thoughtless question, surrounded, as it were, by a shattered, smoking metro station. Why are you weeping? Can't you see? Because the city and the people whom I love have been destroyed so brutally. But then comes this same question in such a different voice. A voice so loved, a voice lost, a voice thought silenced forever, but now heard once again. A voice from beyond death, gently calling her name. Mary. In that sudden moment of astonished recognition, she is released from grief and horror into relief and confidence and joy. John the disciple looked into the tomb, saw the empty grave clothes, and believed. Mary heard her name. She believed, turned round, and saw. Jesus, eternity fully alive. And that is why those first disciples were no longer afraid of anything, not of the destruction of their lives, lives and labors, not afraid even of suffering misfortune or persecution or of suffering or of crucifixion because they had seen and had believed that death was no longer the end, but an open gateway. And so too for us here who have believed, who hear Christ's voice calling our name, we need not be afraid either of war against us because we know that we have eternal peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We need not be afraid of nail bombs, or suicide bombers, of financial loss or disease, because eternal life is ours. We do not weep as one who is without hope. We need not fear the destruction of our labors, because we know that our lives have eternal consequence and enduring meaning and reality. We will go on enjoying our relationships and the fruit of our labor into eternity. Not just eternal rest, but continuing fruitfulness. Because he lives. As the old song goes, because he lives, 
I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Well, two members of our congregation have made a special step, a special public commitment yesterday to follow Jesus up this path of ongoing fruitfulness and joy. Catherine and Lisa, I wonder if you'd join me now. They were confirmed yesterday at the cathedral last night. And this morning, will share with us for the first time in communion here at the Lord's table. I wonder if I could ask you a couple of questions. Could you tell me, first of all, oh, I should have brought my um, microphone with me. Here we go. Thanks. So tell me, what was life like before? Before you came on Alpha, what was life like then? Um, I think I'd always... Um... <laughs> Hold it to the line. I think I'd always identified myself as being Christian, perhaps hadn't really understood what that truly meant to me and my life. Fantastic. Catherine? Oh, very much like Lisa, but I always thought that I was like trying to find something. There was something missing. Fantastic. So you came on the Alpha course, mm -hmm. and what happened? I think the Alpha course was just a really safe place to ask questions that perhaps previously I thought were a bit silly. Um, and being the age that I am, I should probably already know the answer to. So it was just a really nice, safe, friendly place to explore my own faith and get, be able to ask those questions that perhaps I felt that I couldn't do previously. Fantastic. Thank you, Lisa. It was about, yeah, it was about exploring, but then there was one session where we um, talked about prayer and we actually prayed together and that session just really changed everything for me. Fantastic. It was a really great moment. So what changed? What's different now? I feel a bit more at peace. I feel, I don't know, there's just something else there that is a bit indescribable. Fantastic. What's life like now? Lisa? Yeah, the same really. It's just solidified my own faith, so I know what that is for me now. Right. And yesterday you were confirmed. Mm -hmm. yeah. How did that feel? It was great. It was really, it was really amazing. It was a fantastic service, and it was, yeah, just great. What was yeah. significant for you? It was you? a fabulous service. It was a really nice service to be a part of. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And you were with us. Yeah. You were with us. Oh, well, that made it all very special, didn't it? Fantastic. Thank you both very much. Shall we give them a round of applause? Well, if, like Catherine and Lisa, you'd like to know more about this amazing resurrection life that Christ promises to those who follow him, then I'd love to give you an invitation to join us on our next Alpha course, which starts in April, 19th of April. I'll have some invitations at the door as you leave. Jesus said to one of his disciples, doubting Thomas, you've seen me and you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. How blessed, how blessed we are because we know, like John who wrote the gospel, the reading of which we've just heard, that this blessing is not just for this life, for South Sea and Syria and Jerusalem, but for eternal life. In John's words, now God lives with us 
And he will dwell with us and we will be his people and God himself will live with us. And he will wipe every tear from our eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. John finishes his gospel with these words. These things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus says to you now, if you have not seen these things and yet you believe, how blessed are you? How blessed are you?